Welcome back to episode 57 of Establish the Collection. I am your host, Cody Main, joined as always by everyone's favorite cardboard virgin, Gary Hartman. Gary, it is uh, December 5th. It's Monday. We're about to wrap up the week 13 NFL slate. We're about a quarter of the way through the NBA season. Are you uh, <laughs> are you feeling the uh, the stress of the grind catching up to you? Or are you still attacking each day with the same amount of energy that you were uh, back in September when the NFL season was just kicking off? Yeah, I could lie and say that I am attacking each day with the same amount of energy, <laughs> but uh, it would be a flat out lie. It is certainly a little bit of a burnout covering both sports, but at the end of the day, when I, when I when I get that way and I get into like that that burnout feel or or lack of energy feel, I just try to pinch myself and say like, "Hey, I'm still doing this for for a living." So uh, now, all in all, it's good. Got a NBA show in an hour and a half as well. Haven't even looked at the games yet today, so that's kind of where where I'm at. But after this, we'll prep, we'll prep for that. So. Yeah, we can we can get in and out today. I wanted to bring up the fact that you know you are covering both NFL and NBA because I think we've been pretty NFL centric on our. Now, bi-weekly episodes, we're going to get into some NBA discussion as well. But also, you know, the World Cup has been going on and we were going to record this show on on Friday. And then uh, I said, well, you know, why don't we push it out to Monday? We're both busy on Friday. We got to get prepared for the NFL weekend. And and then maybe, maybe, you know, maybe maybe the USA will go out and beat uh, the Netherlands on Saturday. And we'll have some even more stuff to talk about. But the uh, <laughs> the Dutchman had other ideas in mind as they uh, they take care of business against our United States men's national team defeating us three to one. We'll get into some World Cup stuff here, but uh, did want to touch on some industry related stuff, some hobby related stuff. And, and you sent this link to me in Slack, and I, I read up on it. Really interesting. Tops yeah. MVP buyback program. Uh, and pardon the pun here, but it seems like Tops hit a home run with their 2022 <laughs> MVP buyback program. And I don't know if you guys if you guys haven't heard like like I apparently hadn't and was living underneath the rock or just living in the uh, the throes of the NFL season. Uh, here's how it works: you take your 2022 Tops Chrome Aaron Judge and or Paul Goldschmidt cards to your nearest hobby shop, and you can exchange your cards for in store credit. Yep, it's fantastic. That is a yeah. fantastic thing. To do, uh, you know, obviously great for collectors. You know, you've got these, uh, the, the way the, the Forbes article listed, you've got these 20 cent cards that, you know, no one really cares about, despite them being MVP uh, MVP winners of this season. And you can turn it into $20 with the store credit. Or if you have refractors or, or numbered serial cards, you can turn that into even more store credit. I think this is a huge win-win for, you know, collectors, obviously, to, to get some in-store credit for a chance to actually get cards that you're interested in, cards that have some value. But also for hobby shops, you know, hobby shops might be hurting right now with the market the way it is, with discretionary spending the way it is, given the grand scheme of, of the economic state in this country right now. And, you know, it incentivizes collectors and investors to get back out there, go back into the hobby shops, start to start doing a little bit more purchasing and selling. So I thought that was a pretty, pretty neat little story to get the show started with. What were your takes on on the Tops MVP buyback program? Yeah, not to mention a good PR move for Tops because I don't know if we ever yeah. covered it on this show, but when they first rolled out Tops Chrome two months ago or so, um, they were missing all the short print and super short print inserts in those first uh, box rollouts. So they got a ton of shit for that, and rightfully so. I mean, people are chasing, so. chasing big cards, especially some big rookies in this class, uh, Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt and all that. So. Um, you know, I think this is kind of them trying to do right. But also, as you said, I think it's like it, it, it's a way to throw some juice into the card economy um, and it's working. I mean, I, you know, I follow the card Instagrams and just kind of the the pulse of the hobby in general. And everyone's into this. Um, you know, most hobby shops are involved. You can go on Tops 
uh, mvpbuybackoffer.com and see if there's a hobby shop by you that would be participating. But think of it this way. You could get a Topps Chrome Blaster in Target, which probably have they, your, your local Target or Walmart probably have them, you know, 50% of the time. That'll be 25, 30 bucks. You get one base Aaron Judge or Paul Goldschmidt card. You bring that back. You basically make your money back on the box or at least store credit towards something else. Um, you know, it also makes if you have uh, a numbered card out of $4.99, that's maybe would have been a $30 card online, $20 card online. You get 100 bucks for that in store credit. Um, and, you know, makes kind of uh, maybe it prices some kids or, or some you know middle class families or something back into a box that they're trying to get for their kid for the holidays or whatever. So I, I love this idea. I hope we see more of it. Not surprised to see Fanatics. I think it's like one of their first big moves to come out and kind of disrupt the hobby a little bit. And uh, I really hope we see more of it. It's 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 kind of like the um, it, it's like those challenges and top shot and stuff, but like with no yes. blowback. Right. Like it's yes. not going to it's yes. a base card. It's not going to impact. Right. Anything other than, okay, this Aaron Judge card, there'll be 20 cents. You could probably sell it for 10 bucks on eBay because there's a bunch of kids that would buy up a bunch of $10 of them and then go send them into their hobby shop. So, yeah, it'll it'll increase the value of some base, two base cards, but who cares, you know? So it's, right. it's awesome. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that this manipulates the market in any meaningful no, way. Exactly. You know, That's like right, you right, mentioned, right. it's yeah. it's it's two cards. It's it's one product. It is relevant though, because I think a lot of people now, and you mentioned the kid aspect of it or the middle class family aspect of it, buying uh, hangers or or, or boxers uh, boxes at uh, at their local Target or Walmart. Like now, you don't feel like you're completely burned for spending fifty, hundred dollars on you know on a, a box of cards. And I, I do encourage everyone to go check out the the website that Gary mentioned. I'll link it in the show notes as well, just to check out if you have a, a local hobby shop. I'm sure a lot of you are ripping through some of that product. Maybe you set those Paul uh, Goldschmidt or Aaron Judge cards aside, and they're just collecting dust right now. We'll go collect some in-store credit at your local hobby shop. Shout out to Wes's Baseball Cards, my local hobby shop. He is uh, he is involved as well. So I don't have any 2022 Topps Chrome Aaron Judge or Paul Goldschmidt, but if you do, Definitely encourage you to check that out. And yeah. you mentioned the top shot thing. I think that was kind of an an interesting point as well. That you know, like if they can start doing this, you know, for a variety of of other sports, for a variety of other athletes, I think that's a, a huge way to just just draw an infusion of interest in, in money back into the hobby as well. Just get cards off the shelves and and back into uh, back into collectors' hands, so they can start getting some money back for those cards and start cycling through some some newer stuff. So. Hope to see a little bit more out of that from Tops and Fanatics and, and everyone else going forward. Yep, totally, totally. All right, let's let's touch on some World Cup stuff because uh, neither you nor I are, are really soccer people. Uh, I think uh, most of America can agree with that. We will be soccer people for as long as the Americans are involved in the World Cup once every Correct. four years and and do our American duty to cheer on the red, white, and blue. Uh, but but it's been it's been a ton of fun, and obviously we're seeing markets for many of these players move we'll touch on some of the usa guys here in a second and maybe some some future prospects for them as well but what what have been your takeaways from not just the world cup but from a collecting aspect from an investing aspect in these mega stars these mega international stars what's what's kind of the general takeaway that you get from investing in soccer and especially at this time uh, of year yeah i mean i'll just start by saying like definitely my biggest blind spot as far as hobby uh, sport. If you're at least talking sports, I mean, even I guess Pokemon is the one I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I know less about uh, even, uh, or maybe not even because I played Pokemon as a kid and I probably know most of the <laughs> names of the original 150, whatever Pokemon. So, but as far as the market's concerned, I, I, I just don't, I never keep up with it because I just, it's not something I, I have the knowledge base of. And that's something that's been a thesis of mine from the start of this is an alternative asset or, or a, um, 
a side investment is that I don't want to be investing in things that I don't have knowledge about. So I think that's that's you know first and foremost. Obviously, was watching until the USA were eliminated on Friday. Sometimes I'll throw a game on in the background, or I'll tail some friends on a bet if they have a lean one way or another, and I'll watch games that way. But I still, obviously, I know there's probably plenty of you out there that do like soccer and, and do collect. Uh, football cards, if you will. And so we don't want to completely ignore the topic. Um, definitely have seen some interesting trends, particularly by, I think, teams that ha- people feel like have a chance to win this thing or stars that are kind of exploding onto the scene for the first time on the international stage. Um, for example, France is either favorite or co-favorite, depending where you look with Brazil and Mbappe, who's, you know, maybe one of the best young players in the world, if not the best. We've spoken a little bit about him, actually, probably all the way back a year ago on this pod. His stuff is up right now so um you know he is his 2018 world cup which is kind of like considered one of his rookies in a psa 10 up 38 percent over the last two weeks and that's a pop of 3700 so okay that's legit that's legitimately up right that's a, that's mm-hmm. not a low pop card that's about a 200 dollars card right now up from maybe 120 130 before the world cup started so that's one um and then the other thing i noticed just kind of looking at some graphics that some of the card accounts put up is that people are like trying to do one day sales basically before a game starts or before a match starts trying to basically maximize okay if this team gets out of the knockout stage then they'll have you know you can uh i'll take on this card and hopefully be able to flip it again or i just feel like if the value is going to go up or conversely the seller is probably like all right well if they get eliminated i'm about to lose all value on this card so people Mm -hmm. are doing like one day sales leading up to these matches. So for example, uh, specifically of the new product that came out a couple weeks ago, which was the 2022 world cup prism, which is very nice prism cards, just specifically for these world cups. Some people have rookie cards in there. Uh, for example, like Denzel Dumfries, the guy that uh, scored against the America and the Netherlands, it's his rookie card in that set. People did a one hour or one day sale leading up to that America game. And it sold for like $65 raw, a purple prism when it had sold for like $5, before the tournament. So it's like a 400% increase, Jeez. for example. So I think that's a way to attack this is like, before, especially as we get a little bit further in, we're about to be into the round of eight. I think kind of leading up to a three-day auction, a one-day auction, if you are the kind of person that is looking to offload during the World Cup, I think that's an interesting strategy. Get these cards out before these guys actually hit the pitch. You never know what's going to happen from an injury perspective, from an elimination perspective. So you're going to basically play into the hype right up until the kickoff time, and then it's off your hands. So I think that's a really interesting way. And you're you're maximizing sale price, it seems, where people are really uh, into buying these cards right right around when these games are about to tip off. I think from an international standpoint, the hype builds around these games in such an intense way that it's it is t- uh, you know sprinkling into the, the hobby a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you see it across Twitter, even since the United States has been eliminated. I'm sure you see just as much uh, World Cup talk, maybe maybe not as much World Cup talk, but you still see. Uh, I mean, I've seen plenty of tweets about Brazil, Korea today. That's the game that's that or match that was happening, at least right before we came on. You're still seeing it. It still draws international attention, even from our cohort, cohort of, of you know industry folks that are more focused on NBA, NFL, baseball and things of that nature. So this is a very unique event where I think describing the strategy that you're talking about is is something that can certainly be optimal if you're holding on to these cards and just letting go of that risk the moment that the the game kicks off and, and letting someone else kind of assume that risk. That's an interesting short-term strategy for anyone else that is, you know, holding on to Mbappe or Harry Kane or Neymar or any of these guys that may have some legitimate hobby value. If it's someone that you want to offload in the short term, like a dumb fries, you know, then maybe you can take advantage of that before their next match. Totally. Um, I think that's that's an interesting short term strategy. Do you have any you have any more? I want to talk about the USA stuff because I, I know yeah. and, and I did the same thing with the last World Cup that like 
I, I love it. I love the event. I love the spectacle of it. I love the patriotism of it. I love, you know, the country, the camaraderie, everyone kind of uniting behind one common goal uh, on Twitter and Facebook and wherever mm -hmm. else, everywhere you go, you seem, seem like people want to talk about uh, the United States men's national team. I know that I say this now because we're, we're just a few days removed from it, but I, in four years when the World Cup comes, comes to the United States and this really young U.S. men's national team is on the pitch again, I want to be as excited about it as I am now, but I want to be excited about it by, by kind of being invested leading into this, not just by getting invested in it for the group stage and, and all of that stuff. Any of these guys, obviously Pulisic being Christian Pulisic kind of being the top name, he's 24. Weston McKinney's 24. Sergio Dest is 22. Tyler Adams is 23. Gio Reina is, is 20. Like all of these guys to me seem like interesting names, but I don't know if I'm just caught up in, in kind of the, uh, the, the patriotism of, of being a U.S. men's national team backer. Like do any of these guys, should we be thinking about them as investment pieces heading into, you know, whether it be their respective careers or thinking further down the road four years from now for, you know, the next World Cup? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely think that we can be. And especially you mentioned all those young talent. I mean, it's, I think, consensusly the the most talented young talent uh, roster or, or talent that the U.S. men's national team has really had maybe ever uh, highlighted by the most amount of people playing overseas, whether it's in the Premier League or, or others. Uh, and there's a ton of those guys. So I think keeping an eye on their club team careers, how those are going right um, leading up for the next four years. And then also you know, trying to find those pockets where there's real lulls, right? Where maybe their team's not in the Champions League. Um, maybe there's just, it's off season for the Premier League if, if you're trying to invest in Pulisic or something like that. And we're two years out, two years separated or a year after, or even if we're six months after this World Cup, where all the hype around football and soccer has died down. We're not really into the middle of the seasons uh, for the European leagues. And those are the times that you'd want to kind of hop in as a long-term or at least leading up to the 26 investment, because I do think there's going to be a ton of hype around that USA mm -hmm. team in four years. So obviously we've talked about cards as short-term investments, mid-term investments, long-term investments. I think for most of us at this point with that, where the way everything is right now, we'd be looking at a four-year hold as kind of a long-term investment. But I do think it's very sharp to keep your eye on some of these names and some of these players over the next couple of years and just kind of monitor those markets because they will come roaring back. The same way the card market in general will come up again at some point. Uh, soccer in general will at certain times have its ebb and flows and especially around World Cup time will, will come creeping back up. So I do think there's probably a speculative plays you can make there. I think the the biggest takeaway in hearing you and and I've always respected this about your you know you, you treating cards as an alternative form of investing is kind of staying in your lane if you will and if if you plan to get involved in the soccer streets and have not yet been involved in the soccer streets like like Gary and myself I think it it's going to require more attention than just getting excited for the World Cup you're going to have to yeah. follow these players you're going to have to follow their markets outside of you know just over the, you know, when, when, when the world cup comes back, you're going to have to follow these players careers uh, through the club stage, through, through the rest of uh, their development as, as professionals and as athletes. So it's something I, I hope I'm going to try and commit to. We'll see how far I take this. Um, but I, I really did enjoy the, the entire spectacle of it and everything. And I, I hope now as I continue to grow as a sports fan and, and as an adult that I can get more excited about the world cup going forward as well. And, and hopefully have some investments in some of these young guys that I think, well, uh, we're, we're a really exciting team for a three-one match. That was uh, what, some of the most fun I've had watching uh, watching soccer was was that three-one match against Netherlands that we inevitably lost. Yeah, and obviously the matchup against England was was great, ending in in a draw. But I think we outperformed our expectations there. And then uh, Iran, we we were winning most of the game, but it was agonizing the last twenty minutes or whatever. So yeah. it was. Um, 
it's a lot of fun. The whole country gets behind it. And um, yeah, I know it, it'll be a lot of fun in 26. I, I know I'll, I'll plan on going to a game, but you know, it's going to be spread out throughout the country, but there'll definitely be some here in New York and New Jersey. So I'll be doing my best to attend a game in 26 for sure. All right, let's let's get back into our lane and, and realistically your lane as I'm kind of just a bystanding fan of the NBA at this point. But uh, I do want to talk NBA because it's been interesting. Uh, my Lakers have started to roar back a little bit with uh, on, on the heels of Anthony Davis and him looking like he's back into being his prime self. We kind of want to take this in uh, through the lens of looking at these players as card markets, but also kind of through the lens of an NBA MVP discussion i think we've started to see some separation towards the top but also some guys like anthony davis that are still right around 25 to 1 to win nba mvp mvp that you know still make some sense and still have some legitimate card interest uh where do you want to start i'll kind of kick it back to you do you want to start at the top with luca and, and jason tatum or is there somebody else that's more intriguing from from this race um i think we could start at we could start at ad i mean you brought up ad i, I think that's an interesting place to start because uh, he, he's a really positive sign for me um, in that he's roared back to, if not what he was on New Orleans, something close over the last 15 games or so. It's resulting in winning. He looks like, you know, top five, six MVP candidate, which is where I think he's at, probably fifth or sixth right now in in most uh, by most books. And, you know, seeing that dominant Anthony Davis again, I think is reminding people of how good he was. And this is a card that, you know, got all the way up to – I'm talking about his PSA 10 Prism 2012, just the base because it's only 1500 pop or whatever. Got all the way up to what? Um, as high as $2,000 in March of 21. Uh, so that was obviously the bubble, right? Then yeah. it, the, the, the complete jump off. But then it's still, even in July, August, September, this was a five to $700 card pretty consistently. Then it, it dropped all the way down, all the way down from, from the Lakers stinking for his injuries, for the market crashing. It dropped all the way down to below $200, um, I think consistently below $200. And now over the last two weeks, it's up again another 18% and climbing uh, to be about a $220, $215, dollars card right now. So obviously, these are cards that dropped off majorly, and you just wondered where the, where the bottom can drop out. And I think at the very least for a card like this, we could say the bottom did drop out, and now we're climbing back up just with a sense that there's – real encore performance. And I think if he continues this throughout the year, will this ever get up to a $2,000 card again? No. Would it ever get up to an $800 card again? Maybe not. But could it, will, it ever, will it really stay in the $200 range? I don't think so. Like I think that there's, there's if he is back to being Anthony Davis, who's a top 10 player in the league, is going to contribute to winning, be in the MVP discussion, this is a card that will get back up to the three $400 range. So it's just good to see this encore performance as we talked about, especially when it's players that maybe were undervalued by the market, which I think at least two of the three guys we're about to talk about have been um, that it's really, it's really showing right now in their kind of MVP runs and, and winning ways and, and big statistical performances. Yeah. And, and finding that bottom in this market is, is a really encouraging sign. Cause you do wonder as you're seeing these cards continue to plummet and plummet and plummet and plummet. And then all of a sudden you do see that bottoming out. It, it is an encouraging sign. You mentioned his, his base dropping from right around $2,500 down to, you know, below $200 and starting to finally creep back up as the on-court performances has reclaimed itself that same situation happened with his silver card you know to to a bigger degree in terms of overall delta that was a $25,000 card in January of 2021 plummeted all the way to $1800 in on October 30th you know right right around you know a little over a month ago now and and the most recent sale since that uh, th that low is $3000 
just yesterday. So we're already seeing that climb back up a little bit over the last two months or so. You know, that's a car that had a pop count of 32. His his 2012 PSA 10 silver uh, pop count of 32, and we're starting to see it climb back up. So uh, the other thing is, you know, like resetting realistic expectations. You know, when we were in the craze and the bubble and nothing could go down and everything Great was point. going up and and you could make money hand over fist regardless of what you were investing in, I, I think now we're to the point of like re- resetting realistic expectations for what we what we can actually gain on some of these alternative investments and, and actually investing in players. And Anthony Davis is a good case of that. If you're willing to buy low through the injuries, through the Lakers, you know, being terrible, you know, I think you're, you're going to start getting paid off for that. Is there, is there room to grow for this card still? You mentioned that if he continues yeah. to play like it is, you could see this being, you know, this, this card doubling an in investment. You, you still feel that way? Yeah, definitely. Especially the 2012 stuff, like the pop's not growing. Um, it's, it's low. And like, we're still talking about a guy that was named the top 75 player of all time. The legacy stuff could still get there. He does have one ring under his belt. It's not like he's old. And like, as long as he gets to keep out of injury trouble, I think the the legacy will continue to compile. The stats will continue to compile. Um, this is someone that before maybe two years ago, three years ago was in the top two or three for preseason MVP when he's first linked up with LeBron, as far as just like, Hey, he's a guy that can take all the regular season load off of LeBron's plate and they can go win together in the playoffs. And like, I don't think this Lakers team is ever going to be some big juggernaut, especially if they don't make a big move in the, in the regular season, but the Lakers are such a national team that garners every night national media attention that when Anthony Davis and the Lakers are doing poorly, you're going to hear a lot about it, and that'll trickle down to the card market. When Anthony Davis and the Lakers are doing well, you're going to hear about it, and it'll trickle up in the card market. I think that's what's happening right now, and so I think there's definitely more room for this card. Perfect. Uh, the guy that I think you're you're mentioning that is also uh, potentially undervalued, and we've talked a lot about Jaw. Jaw's kind of in the same vicinity in terms of, of MVP odds. Uh, Devin Booker, you know, mm. another one of these guys that is kind of pre ultra modern, you know, it comes from the 2015 Prism class. His base PSA 10 has a pop count of 1800, most recently sold for $171. Is, is Devin Booker someone that you view right now as a, a market and as a player that is a little bit undervalued? Yeah, I think that 171, and there's been a couple sales like that where like they're between. 170 and 280 like there's been multiple sales and so like i don't know what's real because like it seems like if you look at this card letter chart it's literally like it's a, bouncing up and it's down a bouncing yeah. up and down it's like there's one one high sale one low sale one high sale one low sale i think when you can when you can snipe those for uh the 170 i do think it's undervalued for for a book and and he's the guy that's really taken a leap this year uh, as far as kind of just a mix of eye test and points per game. Like his other underlying stuff is similar, but there's something different. Like he's up, he's up in points per game. He's almost averaging 30 points a game. That's like three or four more than his career high. Uh, Gallagher and I spoke about him on the ETR NBA pod a couple weeks ago, but the Suns team, even without Chris Paul right now, looks as good as it ever has. And it's been all on the backs of Devin Booker. So like, if we think that this is a team that's been in this title run now for two or three years, if actually nothing's fallen off and we're just kind of, kind of right off that weird series with the Mavericks last year, then I definitely think he's someone that is going to be undervalued. I mean, his, also silver in 2015, only a pop of under 200. Haven't been really any sales. I think people are holding there right now. Um, only been, what, uh, eight sales over the last six months total. But um, card ladder value is at a 781 card. I think that's way too low. You can see the last price sold was 950. I would expect that to be more about a $1,000 card right now. But still, that's down from you know highs of 2000 2500 over the last year and then obviously over the last two years i'm sure it got up way high yeah almost eight thousand dollars so similar similar thing the crazy drop off 85 percent two-year drop off on a silver card as well so there's value to be had in these good team young players superstar leaps um mvp conversation players i think there's value to be had in that tier uh for sure 
And, and absolutely on guys like AD, on guys like Devin Booker, or some of these other guys that we'll talk about, like the mo- multiple outs, you know, younger guys, good teams, good markets. Uh, you're, you're not just banking on like an all-star or all-NBA or MVP type of performance. You can get there in multiple ways with your investment in the short and long term. So I think that's that's really interesting. And for people still playing around in kind of the lower to mid-tier, you know, this, I don't know, $200 to, to $750 or $1,000 range, I think there's, you know, with these pre ultra modern type players, 2012 to 2015, where pop counts are really low on on base and and really really low on silver type stuff, I think those are reasonable pieces to invest in 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 the short and midterm. Yep. Um, and so the other guy I was going to say I actually thought was undervalued is the MVP front runner right now, and a guy who I think is going to win the MVP in Jason Tatum. Um, Go for it. Someone that was I always thought was undervalued for the player mm-hmm. he was. He's like a true wing, which those guys carry more value, right? We always spoke yeah. about the bigs. The bigs kind of dip down a little bit the guards kind of wave in and out as far as their value is concerned but the wings the truly elite wings those are guys that have elite card markets as well and someone that i just never understood it wasn't a full lack of respect like obviously his really rare stuff was still selling but mm-hmm. compared to zion or jaw or whatever i never fully expe- understood the lack of respect on tatum who's a 2017 guy so the year before luca so they had started ramping up their basketball printing by then, so like his base is a pop of almost six thousand, but it's nothing like the Luca base of like twenty thousand or whatever. So twenty seventeen was or like twenty eighteen in football, they were still not printing a lot. It was twenty nineteen that they shot up in twenty eight seventeen in basketball. They still weren't printing as much as they were in twenty eighteen. And then from twenty sixteen earlier, so like Booker Jokic stuff. That is like those are the years that like I feel good about base. If you want, I don't feel good about base, but as an investment, yeah. I'm okay looking at it. Twenty seventeen is right on the fringe. So I, I think, you know, that's a pop of six, almost 6,000 is PSA 10 prism, but it's finally almost a $200 card again. It's up 18% over the last two weeks. Um, and, you know, it did almost, it did sell for almost $200 yesterday, actually 195 bucks. This is a card that went down to, what did it go down to as low as 140 or so. So, which is just, I mean, the guy's the best player in the world right now. He's, he's yeah. literally the MVP favorite. He's taken a major leap. The Celtics have the best offense I've ever seen, I think. Um, and it's largely on the back of Jason Tatum. So anything you have Tatum-wise, I would be holding right now. I think there's a lot more room this season. Um, as long as he doesn't get hurt, I think this team's going to walk to the one seed, probably walk through the title favorites. I think I think as long as he continues on this trajectory, he will win MVP unless something crazy happens with Luka uh, or Steph or Giannis, like something could happen, whether it be injury, otherwise this team falls off. But I think at this point, the voters and the odds books are finally catching up to what I think a lot of NBA heads have known now for about a month or so, that he should be the favorite, and he is finally. So I think Tatum's a guy that, yes, everything's up 18-ish percent, but it's there's there's more room here for sure. So, such a good point, and I'm going to kick it back to you here to kind of talk potential collectors and, and sellers through when is when would be the optimal time to sell for a player that we assume is going to win the MVP award and also could potentially take his team to a one seed in a deep playoff run. This, the Celtics team looks overwhelming, uh, you know, at, at certain stretches. I, you mentioned another thing that I think is very important in this race. There's some, there has to be at this point, some Giannis f- fatigue from the voters. There has to be some Jokic fatigue from the voters. So that really brings it down to, I don't know, unless, unless AD goes crazy, unless Booker continues to go crazy. I mean, I think it's like a two man race at this point. Curry could do some things. I suppose as well, but you know, you talk about Luca and Jason Tatum. So for you, this doesn't seem like the time to sell. When would be the time to sell Jason Tatum if we are correct in our assumption that he is going to win the MVP award? It's funny because you mentioned Luca. You mentioned fatigue, and and, and that'll be a word I use when we talk about Luca's card market in, in a yeah. second here. Um, I think the right time to sell Tatum would be 
closer to the playoffs, uh, entering the playoffs when the hype starts to come around on these guys. And then probably, you know, if you have the cojones to hold off a little bit, like Eastern Conference Championship type time, that's what we saw last year with him when people started realizing this kid can win a championship and that his market spiked up during the during that Eastern Conference Finals last year. I think that's kind of the good time. Similar to how we're talking about in the World Cup, these people trying to sell their cards right yeah. before the match comes. Hey, maybe this guy will make a run. Maybe he'll have three goals today. Maybe he'll be all over Sports Center. I think you know, if you could, if you could wait till the divisional or the second round, the divisional round, the second round of the, of the Eastern conference playoffs, the conference championship, something like that, which I think they, the Celtics should at least walk to the conference finals this year. And like barring and they, I mean, they're going to get healthy. They still don't have Robert Williams right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, if you could wait, I would wait till that, but just keep your eye on the market. I think if you still, if you see it consistently growing, it might peak out during the regular season. So if you are looking for an out, I would, um, maybe wait to like right around the time NFL is done when people start turning their attention to NBA, like probably around the Super Bowl, February, March, if you're looking for a regular season out, I think that's probably a good time. And I think so much is understanding your goals and, and what you want to get out of an investment and also your, your, your risk tolerance. There's some, so we've talked about this with your jaw card. We've talked about this with uh, just your job portfolio in, in general. We've talked about this with Joe Burrow during his run uh, last NFL season. And so much of it comes down to your risk tolerance. Do you want to squeeze out that extra five, 10, potentially 15, 20% from an investment? Or are you okay uh, letting go a little bit early? And for, for some people that might mean selling into the playoff height for some people that might mean holding off for, for potentially a, a deep playoff run, which involves them going to uh, the final. So I, I think keeping those things in mind as you go through the investment process is, is, is very, very much important. You mentioned fatigue. I mentioned fatigue. You think there's some fatigue in the Luka Doncic market? I do. I do. I yeah. think, you know, considering he's playing the best basketball of his career and the the pops just continue to grow in the mix of just like Luka cards, Luka cards, Luka cards have been the, the, the talks. And some, he started this thing, basically. Him, and Zy, him, coming yeah. on, him coming in, being so, so hot. So the 2018 products got so priced up. That's when products started. It wasn't, it wasn't when Zion. Zion was like the face of it for basketball. Um, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't Zion. It was... It was when Luca cards and Lu- the Luca mania started going nuts. Is that that's exactly the time Panini started raise, raising their prices and Hobby Stops started raising their prices in 2018, 2019, right at that range. And that was all because of Luca. So this has now been four years, going on five years of Luca being kind of the poster boy of the basketball hobby with Zion Williamson. But you, you know what I mean. And we're looking at a 20,000 pop almost of his Prism base card. And there's just so much volume, so much movement, so much inventory in the market. And just like, a, I think a little bit of like, okay, yeah, Luca's great. And like, obviously the high end stuff is going to keep a market. Like his immaculate autographs, for example, some stuff that I've owned that is like one of the few things that haven't lost too much value because like anything with a rookie on-card autograph for him, I think is going to hold value. But as far as like just slabs and so many slabs, like the straight Donruss paper has a 10,000 pop. Like there's just so much that it, even it trickles up a little bit to some of like the really low price, um, the really low pop stuff, the low number parallels, of course, it's going to have a um, a floor, right? But like even his blue ice sat at 99, for example, Prism PSA 10, that's a $23,000 card. That's down 30% over the last six months, um, you know, on the, what, two or three sales, six sales that it's had. Um, it's had one sale over the last three months. It was a $24,000 card. It had been closer to a forty thousand dollars card. So, like you're seeing fatigue across the entirety of the market. It's a mix of the mar- it's a mix of the economy and fatigue. I think a little bit with Luca, but you know the super rare stuff will have a floor like that card does. Like I don't think that card is going to dip below eighteen seventeen thousand. It's a twenty four thousand dollars card right now, but it's also not fifty thousand anymore. In the same way, his Prism base 
in March, I think was like a $1,500 card. Now it's a $300 card. And I think there's actually more room for it to fall at 20,000 pop. I think there's room for it to go into the, it's, I think that card in the Tatum base will meet somewhere right in the middle, right? Tatum's yeah. at 195 right now. Yeah. This is at 300. This one has 20,000 pop. Tatum has 5,000. It sounds like they're going to be, they're going to be very nicely at $250 and, and stay there. You know what I mean? So. It's, uh, I hadn't looked at this this chart in a while. You mentioned that you know you go all the way back to the the you know very peaks of this card, and obviously a very different time in the hobby. And you know, as many of us, as many well. people listening, were starting to get into this. Uh, it was an eighteen hundred dollar card. Yeah. And if you zoom out on this chart, it does. It that's the first thing that I thought as you were talking there. This this card has way more room to drop from the three hundred and thirteen dollar and forty one cent value that it has right now on card ladder. It's been flat for a long yeah. time. You know, and by flat, I mean between three fifty and three hundred dollars since June of of twenty twenty two. That's yep. that's a long time for a card to not have moved, given its pop count. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you that given how well he's playing, that like the base and, and higher printed stuff. If you're holding on to it, man, I mean, there you know, I, I don't know what else you would be holding on for. I don't think that yep. there's going to be some run up on this stuff. No. Now, if you're in kind of the mid and, and upper tier stuff, then certainly there could be room for growth. But I think right. this base stuff and this this higher printed stuff could actually drop even more. So that's where I'm at, right? Like, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Why are you holding at this point if you have this stuff? Like he's playing the best basketball he could possibly play. Are you waiting for a championship? If you're waiting for him to finally get a true second superstar next to him and he can make some real noise, like at that point, his stats will go down a little bit. So it probably will even out like, it's it's as good as it's going to get right now for Luca on court. Uh, maybe not. Maybe maybe he's got higher room to go. He's twenty three. Like I should never say never. Um, but it's it, the base stuff. The base stuff. I just with this twenty eighteen and higher for NBA. I wouldn't be messing around with it. Now I do think if he wins MVP this year, which is still very much in the range of outcomes, if he brings his team back to the Western Conference Finals, if they make a huge offseason move and he gets a true number two and they can be a, a championship contender. Uh, of course, the high-end stuff will have plenty of room for for growth as well as just investment opportunity in general. Um, I have, you know, I you know, I have some immaculate RPAs. I have some other RPAs of Luca. This is really when I started. Was that four or five years ago? Getting back into it, and I have some real stuff. That, like I'm not even looking to sell right now. Like I or even yeah. take offers on. Like I think he's 23. Like I have a whole career of Luca ahead of me uh, to use these or to to cash in on them or just to hold them as investments uh, as I as I get older or grow a family or whatever. So like I think I totally believe in the high end stuff long-term, short-term, whatever. He's only 23. But I do think uh, it's a tale of two cases for these two MVP candidates right now from the from the card markets. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Could not agree more. I think the rest of the names in this, in this MVP race right now, if you want to call it that, are a little bit tougher to discuss from a collectible standpoint. I'll, I'll kind of rapid fire through them. If anyone stands out as someone that you have certain points to discuss on, feel free to stop me. But like Giannis, Curry, Embiid, KD, like, like these guys are, I think, just a little bit tougher to discuss from an MVP perspective. So if you want to kick away from kind of the MVP discussion, if there are any other storylines right now in the NBA that that myself or other listeners may have missed out on, if there's anything else or any other player you want to touch on, feel free to to hit me with them because I'm I'm always open ears when you talk. Yeah, I think Giannis is slightly undervalued, um, down 50% on his base Prism PSA 10 over the last year. That was a card that was consistently going for around $1,500 after his last championship or after a championship, uh, you know, whatever it was now, almost two years ago, year and a half ago, uh, and now is down to below $800. I definitely think that there is, for the majority of this card's lifetime and, and when the economy is in a healthier spot, I think this will be a $1,000 card consistently. So I think there's about $200 room of growth on there. It's not like it's a super outlandish $2,800 pop for somebody that's been the best player of the last six, seven years um, and is proving that he is once again. And I think this Bucks team has a very good chance at 
making a run as well uh, with Chris Middleton finally coming back. And they've been also right alongside the Celtics, one of the best teams in the league. I just think that let's not overthink it. I do think it's still more of a long-term play. I think this is a guy that like LeBron, like Jordan, like Kobe will be around. And we spoke about this after he won the title, but we'll be around in our lexicons, in our, in our investment portfolios for 25, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, this is going to be an all time, great top 10 player of all time. I think when it's all said and done. So I think that's someone that has more room to grow. You, you know, we never say much on the Steph market just because Steph is Steph. Like Steph's yeah. got the love from the kids. Steph's got the high floor. Steph's a guy that, um, you probably can't even afford to get into for most of the good stuff if you wanted to. And I don't think that's going to change either way. So, yeah. I totally agree. I wrote down some some spots that I kind of found interesting as I was going through through my research. I thought the the stuff in Atlanta was kind of interesting with Trey and Dejounte Murray, but I feel like we've talked about Dejounte uh, quite a bit. And you mentioned the fatigue on Luca. There, there's got to be some fatigue on Trey Young as well. Obviously, not the uh, the face of the basketball market to the degree that Luca was, but came in in that 2018 class. And there's so much product, so much product out there. So uh, I thought those were those were some interesting names. I thought everything happening in Atlanta was kind of interesting, and then the Pacers kind of surprising with. Tyrese Halliburton looking phenomenal. And then, you know, you have these youngsters in the East who are on just uh, just, just bad teams and, and guys that will have uh, love and will have opportunities to play in meaningful games in years to come. But like the Lamellos and Cades and, and, and Palo uh, of the world, any interest in like these, these young guys and trying to prognosticate on some of these young guys that have not yet made their way into this MVP discussion that we just had? Yeah, Lamelo and Kate are interesting to talk about because they're like super hot hobby names. Uh, the highlight of their classes from the, each of the past two seasons, and both guys have not have barely played this year, especially Lamelo, and it's hitting their card market in a big way. Uh, you can make the argument that both guys are buys right now. I would be a little bit scared personally because I still think that there is room, probably. Although I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now, but I know how high up like someone like Lamelo got. Let's take a look. Um, that. You know, I would be a little bit scared of making too heavy of investments in. Let me just take a look at like a silver or something like that. Yeah, silver is only a pop of two hundred six. That's kind of hard. I guess taking a look at his base would probably be a better idea. Uh, twenty seven hundred pop on his base, down twenty two percent over last month. It's a sixty dollar card. Um, not something I would be investing in. Uh, if I were to invest in Lamelo, I'd try to get something with a little bit more rarity and just take advantage of the fact that he hasn't played this year. He's not the kind of player I like to invest in, which is kind of like a pass first. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe fragile. I, I just don't. There's, I don't know enough about him to know what kind of winning player he is. Like, what kind of team does he need around him? I always thought he was a little bit overhyped, not to the extent like where Mac Jones was for football, where I like was yeah. ready to stand on that hill. But I just think he was like the hot name that had name recognition from the kids with the you know big baller bram the mellow ball stuff like it was a fun player that i think was kind of like a gen z like kind of poster boy um but i never necessarily believed in it as a long-term investment so like now you can get it at cheaper prices and if you are on the opposite side of me and you do you are a mellow believer then I, yeah sure go ahead and buy right now before he hits the court again um but this hornet seems going to be really bad and i i don't wouldn't be surprised if there's more uh of the the bottom to drop out there Cade's a little bit different to me because like I can't see him being a true alpha as he grows in his game, but he's far away from that. So to me, when you're kind of getting at a ceiling Cade price per, uh, up again, I think it's still going to be a couple years away because the Pistons are really bad. He's hurt. Uh, he has a lot of his game to work on as far as being a true contributing winning player. So both those guys, despite the falls in their markets right now, I'd, be, I'd, I'd kind of have an eyebrow up before I put too much money into their cards. It seems like a, a lifetime has passed since we had the the Jaw versus Zion Williamson discussion. Yeah. And would you rather sell high on Jaw or buy low on on Zion? And you know that 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 discussion has has come to pass. And the Pelicans are a two seed in the West right now. They look like they're playing pretty good. Zion looks 
uh, like a wrecking ball when he's out there and his market is up a little bit looking at his silver PSA 10 from the 2019 class that has a pop count of 1563 is up about 12 and a half percent over the last yeah. two weeks. What do you make uh, of Zion's market right now and his on court performance? He's been amazing. Um, yeah. Really good last couple of weeks too, uh, where Ingram's basically missed most of the last two weeks and CJ missed about half those games as well. So we've really gotten to see points Zion again, and he's put up some huge box scores, a lot of them in good matchup, but just good to see. And the defense has come back, which is really what was concerning me at the beginning of the season to get like six stocks, which is blocks and steals combined in a game uh, last week, which is really, really high. And, um, yeah, his silver's almost back up to a thousand dollar card again. So I think this room will have more room to grow. Obviously, was so inflated from like kind of being yeah. the the big name out of the pandemic that I when everyone was was investing. Um, but uh, I right now I'd rather have Zion. I'd rather have Zion than Ja. Um, Ja's stuff also still really high. I guess they're probably so Ja had gone up higher than Zion. I got to look at the high end. I, I don't have National Treasures number. Maybe we should re, definitely on next the next show we should I think make this a full topic because I think it's very interesting actually. Despite how much we've spoken about it, I think it's super interesting because. On the high end with like NTRPAs and things like that, it had kind of crossed where Jaga was up a little bit higher than Zion. And for good reason, Zion barely had been on the floor. But now with Zion like showing that he could look like he did his rookie year, and if not better, um, I still think I'd kind of take the shot on the generational wing forward than I would the kind of fragile uh, athletic guard. Um, but, I, you know, I still believe in both their talents. You know, I wouldn't be messing around base on either of them. We're looking at 22 to 25,000 pops on the prison base stuff. Uh, no, thanks. Yeah, and it's it's crazy to see the the evolution of of this podcast as a whole because you know we kind of started with talking about John Zion and some of these guys, and when we were talking about them when we first started, you know, we were we were really talking about their base markets just kind of as a baseline, not as not as products to invest in. And slowly over time, we moved into discussing the silver and, and refractor markets, and now we're we're getting to the point where prices have adjusted to a degree now where we can start to look into some of the higher end stuff and use that as not not necessarily a baseline but more of a talking point than we would before because you know very few people could get involved in those markets and for for guys certainly like Zion and Ja very few people can still get involved now but it's more of a more of at least a discussion point on the overall health of their markets whereas you know a, a year plus ago when we were talking on this podcast it was, it was we were talking about base markets as kind of a a general rule of thumb so it's it's been interesting to see the uh, the growth and the rise and totally. fall of the uh, the sports card market as we kind of try to find a little bit of balance here finally yeah it's been one thing that's been fun about keeping this podcast going you know since basically the beginning of the hype around both those guys like I would love to go back and listen to some of our early conversations on it because you know we we have now foresight of or hindsight rather of of both what has happened in the card industry as well as what's happened in each of these guys careers so. Um, it's been fascinating paths for both both guys. I think you can make an argument now, and we'll see. I think let's give Zion a little bit more time this season. But if Zion can make it through this season, like as an All Star again, I think we can say both guys have lived up to the hype on from an on court expectation. Like let's see what that ends up doing for winning championships, winning basketball games, and as far as you know, what kind of movement we have in their card market as well. Uh, we'll get out of here on this because I know you got to go record or you got to go prepare for tonight's NBA show. And obviously, if you guys haven't subscribed to the ETR NBA product yet, uh, crushing props, crushing DFS as well. Gary is is very helpful with that product. I'll get out of here on this. Any other storylines, any other unknowns or uh, younger commodities, maybe lesser lesser known guys that you're keeping your eye on over the last, I don't know, three quarters of the season. I think it's an interesting point to to look forward to because football will eventually wrap up uh, shortly. And, and we would like to, to kind of kind of focus our attention on the NBA markets. Any of these young guys that, that we should be focusing on over the next couple of months? Yeah, I'm curious when 
the rookie stuff does come out for this stuff, which I know we're still probably three or four months away. Um, if the country is in a low, like some economists are, proje- are projecting, I wonder if you're going to be able to like steal some Paolo and because I like this rookie class. I think yeah. Paolo is really good. Uh, we obviously aren't going to see Chet Holmgren on the class. I think Jabari Smith starting to turn a corner a little bit. Benny Matherin is looks awesome. Like there's some really strong guys here. And I wonder if you're going to kind of be able to sneak in some cheap buys right out of the gate um, just based on the economy when that stuff comes. So I would be keeping an eye on those guys. Start making your lists of the players that you think you want to invest in because I think there are some interesting long-term hobby names in this class, uh, starting with Paolo Boncaro for sure, but definitely moving forward. And, and th- you know, obviously we're in modern ultra card markets. Like their stuff's not going to be cheap, but I wonder if compared to Kate Cunningham and LaMelo Ball, and when those stuffs were coming out, I wonder if you're going to be able to like really kind of hop in early uh, before, especially on the, I was talking like the refractors and stuff like that. I like to buy when stuff comes out base, you know, you sell it when first stuff comes out, but I wonder if even more so, like we'll be able to get some of the short printed stuff right out of the gate, uh, just kind of with the state of things right now. So that's kind of where, where I'd be doing if I were an NBA fan, start keeping, keeping your list going of these rookies there. It's a fun one. I love that. It is a fun, it is a fun class, and it's it's not something we've generally been able to do with these new product releases. Is get our hands on some of the good product early on for for reasonable price tag. So that's something to definitely keep your eyes peeled for. We will be back in two weeks, probably transition back to a little bit of NFL discussion as you know the playoff race starts to shape up, as the MVP race really starts to come into full picture. But I uh, definitely want to mix in some more NBA talk. I always learn when Gary discusses the NBA guys that he is high on. So we will get back to that in two weeks. For Gary, I'm Cody. Take care, everybody.